right, this morning we'll be in Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. We'll be starting at verse 19 this morning. Genesis 25, starting at verse 19. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's, Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethel, um, and sister of Laban. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled with each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening? So she uh, went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there uh, were twin boys in her womb. The first came out uh, that to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out, and with his hand grasping uh, Esau's heel, so they named uh, he was named Jacob. Isaac was sixty years old when uh, Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking uh, some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he is also called Edom. Jacob replied, First sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and he drank, and then he got up and he left. So Esau despised his birthright. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today, and Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning as we briefly apply your word. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say when it's time to be quiet. You'd let me be quiet. I pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Another passage I want to read this morning is Galatians 5, and it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. This morning, I think it's important for us to know that our birthright is freedom. That's our birthright, freedom. Uh, we, we live in America. It's the land of the free, right? We value freedom very much in America. Uh, matter of fact, if anything comes to threaten our freedom, uh, we, we get very upset, <laughs> even if the own, if our own government tries to threaten our freedom, we get set, upset. We, we, we value freedom so much. Um, one thing that I think we have to realize is that when we are a believer, our freedom is even more important than just our rights and responsibilities. It's our birthright 
That means it becomes who we are. It becomes part of our identity. It becomes everything that we, everything that, that, that we get to inherit. It becomes, um, it, it becomes uh, uh, what we get as our inheritance. It's our birthright. This morning, we can know that Jesus gives us freedom. And it's through Jesus that we get this freedom. Uh, the first thing that he does is he gives us freedom from sin. And we have to, we have to realize this morning that Jesus is not in the business of sin management. Uh, he, he's not in the, in the business of saying, okay, well, you keep all your sins contained over here. And as long as it doesn't get outside the box, you're, you're okay. Uh, he's not in that business. He's, he's in the business of sin forgiveness and, and sin eradication here. Uh, and, and one thing that we have to do is that we can live a life of freedom. We can live a life in freedom uh, from the penalty, the power, and the pollution of sin. And, and when it comes down to it, the penalty of sin is death. It's the separation from God. Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There's two different uh, um, uh, things there. They're on completely opposite ends. And so when we think about the penalty, it's always separation from God. It's always death. Uh, the penalty of sin always leads to death and hell. That's, that's what happens. I have to tell you this quick story. One of my kids came up to me a couple of weeks ago and said, Dad, I'm concerned about your language at church. And I said, okay. And they said, you keep saying bad words. When you're preaching, it's like, oh, okay, well, what, what word am I saying? And they said, well, you're saying hell an awful lot. And uh, that's a bad word, and you don't need to say that while you're preaching. So I thought that was hilarious that, one, they're listening. That's good. That's good. But I thought it was interesting that, that they recognized that hell is a bad place, and hell is something that you don't want to be associated with, and hell can make people uncomfortable. Uh, that's the penalty of sin. Uh, power, it, it, we're, we're given a freedom from the power of sin. The, the thing with, with, uh, with the power of sin is that sin holds you. It chains you. It, it, it captures you and it keeps you in this prison cell that doesn't let you go. And the thing for people in sin is that a lot of times they, they long to be free from their sin if they recognize that their sin is sin. That's the first thing. A lot of times they have to recognize that their sin is sin. And so uh, they, they want to get free from that a lot of times, but they can't because they keep going back to it because the, the sin holds them and it captures them and chains them. Uh, and, and one thing that it does is it keeps us bound to certain places in, in our lives where we can't grow, we can't move forward, we just, we just maintain where we are in life uh, because that's, the, that's part of the, the power of sin. It, it, it's designed to hold you in place. Uh, to keep you from moving forward with the plan that Jesus has for you, the, the plan that He has for your life. Um, 
Jesus himself, he said in, in John chapter 8, verse 34, he says, uh, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. It, it's overpowering. If we think about it, this concept of slavery, we, we often have a concept of slavery from, a, from Americanized view. We think, of, we think of slaves in fields that are getting beat. And, and, and that's really what slavery to sin is. You're getting beat down over and over again. If, if you've ever noticed anybody who is... Uh, lived a life of sin, there is a look of... it, it becomes physical. It really does become physical in people's lives that, that, that there's this look of, of, it just wears on them to the point where their body starts breaking down itself because that's, that's how the power of sin works and, and, and a slave to sin. But in Roman culture, not only were you a, uh, it, slavery was a big thing. About, about, um, I think we said about a third of the Roman Empire was enslaved. Now you think about that, that was a lot of slavery. And, but it was also um, not, not only slavery in, in the concept that we would think, but it would also be like a domestic slavery, like I took out a loan that I need, and now I can't pay it back. And so in order to, to be considered even, uh, paid in full, I'm, I'm now in slavery for so many years. And there's no way that I can get out of slavery. I've got to do whatever the slave owner tells me to because I've been set in, I've, I'm, I'm enslaved. And so when we're, when we're held by the power of sin, uh, sin always tells you what to do, how to do it, when to do it. It's not, there's no freedom in sin. Jesus sets us free from the, the, the power of sin, the penalty of sin, uh, it, it, the, the power of sin, it controls our thinking, it controls our perspectives, it controls our decision-making, it controls our finances, and it controls our social environment. If you, if you think about it, uh, think about how sin works. Uh, when it comes to control your thinking, sin works in a way that your mind is warped. You have a, a warped sense of thinking when sin comes into your life. Um, and you have a, uh, when it comes to uh, perspectives, how you look at life now is totally different. Um, how the decisions that you make will always lead you back to that sin or to feed that sin, uh, the, the, the decisions. The power, uh, it's uh, over finances as well. You spend more of your money to feed the sin that you're involved in. One thing, I, I was in a class one time, and it was over pastoral counseling, which I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm probably terrible at pastoral counseling. Um, there it is. Take what you want with it. But uh, the, I, when it comes to pastoral counseling, a lot of times we're told that, that when people are there and, and they're, they're having issues with finances, that a lot of times we can trace it back to how they do, are doing in their spiritual life. And that's not saying that sometimes bills are, are uh, we, we, you know, the, the bill didn't come in the mail and now we're two bills behind and we just don't have the money to, and now we found ourselves in a, in a financial mess. That's, that's not how that works. I'm talking about um, um, over and over and over and over again, there's always a financial mess. And oftentimes we can trace it back. Well, well what, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing with your finances that, that would lead you to this over and over again? And a lot of times it comes back to there's some sin going on that, that the finances have to be funneled into. 
There's a power there. It grabs people and it pulls them in and they, and, they, and they can't let go. See, here's the thing when it comes to sin is that you can't get out of sin on your own. You can't be set free from the power of sin on your own. You don't have power over sin. But Jesus does. And when Jesus comes, He sets us free. When we ask for forgiveness, he's, he, he always gives forgiveness, right? He gives us forgiveness. If we ask for it, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He sets us free from the penalty, the power, and the pollution. Sin taints us. I sleep with a, a CPAP machine. And I praise the Lord for whoever developed a CPAP machine. I quit breathing about 42 uh, times an hour in the middle of the night. And if you know what that sounds like, it sounds, that's what it sounds like. Um, so, so I sleep with this machine that pushes air down my, down my, my throat so I can breathe in the middle of the night if I stop breathing. And one of the, one of the things that I've noticed is it has this little filter on the side where the air is sucked in. And if you forget to change the filter, it gets clogged up with dust. And so sometimes in the middle of the night, I will, I will, I will wake up and I'll be like, how come I can't breathe in enough air? And I'll turn, I'll, I'll get my phone out and I'll turn the flashlight on. I'll reach over and flip that door open and pull that filter out. And I forgot to change it. It couldn't get through. Sometimes when we deal with the pollution of sin, it's similar to that. That, that we can't always make a determination of what's right and wrong because of the pollution of sin. Because sin will always point us to wrong. And the Holy Spirit will always try to convict us but the pollution of sin taints us to the point that the more we get into it, the less desensitized we are. Jesus sets us free from the pollution of sin. I like to say that Jesus is the filter cleaner. Amen. I think that we have to realize at times, though, here's, here's some of the confusion. I think that when we say Jesus sets us free from, the, uh, from sin, I think that sometimes we have issues with that because, because we confuse temptation with acts of sin. So if, if I'm tempted to go up and, and kick Kaylee in the shin and I don't do it, that's not sin. But if I go up and I kick her in the shin... That would be sin. If, if, if thoughts come to your mind, if you don't act on them, that's not sin. sin temptation that's acted on is sin. Uh, there, there's an old phrase here uh, that, that, uh, that um, we, we used to hear in the church is that, I don't care about the birds flying in the air, I only care about the birds that nest in my hair. Make sure that when temptation comes, you're not entertaining it. How did Jesus get rid of temptation? He was in the Word. He was in the Word. 
Satan said, you're hungry. You can turn that rock into bread. The Word says that man cannot live by bread alone, but every word of the Lord. Jesus was tempted, but he did not sin. Now, Jesus did take on the sin of the world. I think that we have to recognize that. That that the sin of the world was laid upon Jesus. It's this, it's this, uh, this image of the lamb slain that's upon the altar. And all the sin was to be placed upon in, in, in Levitical... Uh, principle that, that all the sin was to be placed upon the animal that was going to be sacrificed. And so Jesus is the sacrificial lamb and the sin of the world is placed upon him and he acts as the sacrifice for all. First Corinthians, you, you can overcome temptation. First Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted he will provide a way out so that you can do it amen amen Jesus sets us free he sets us free from sin Freedom is our birthright. Church, this morning, don't sell your birthright. Jesus, He sets us free from hopelessness. He, he, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 1 describes Jesus as our hope. Jesus, our hope. There's a lot more in there too, but... Jesus, our hope. And if we have Jesus who is our hope, we can have freedom from hopelessness. Proverbs 23.18 says um, that hope is not cut off from us. Surely, uh, there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. There is freedom and hope because there is hope in Jesus who brings us freedom. There's hope for today. We can have hope today that, that Jesus is with us today, that He walks with us today. There's hope for tomorrow, that whatever struggles we may have tomorrow, whatever we find ourselves in, uh, whatever we walk into, whatever uh, life brings us, that there's hope for tomorrow. We, we can know that there's hope for others, and I think this is important. This is, the whole, this is the whole thought of evangelism, is that there's hope for others too. And so we want others to know that Jesus brings about hope for them as well. Uh, so we can know that there's hope for others. And then there's hope for eternity. That when Jesus says that He's coming back for us, I go and I prepare a place for you. My Father's house has many rooms. We have hope in eternity. That, that when Jesus says that He's going to come back for His people, that He's preparing a place for us, we can have hope that one day He will return. Now, with that said, don't be like the Thessalonians and sit on a hill and wait. You've got to be active. You've got, to be, you've got to be living life for Jesus today. Hope for today. Hope for eternity.
Freedom is your birthright. Don't sell your birthright. Jesus gives us freedom from strongholds really quickly this morning. Ephesians 6.12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Strongholds. A strongholds always, almost always deal with some type of um, demonic or, or um, spiritual influence. They're strongholds. And so common strongholds would be unforgiveness. It would be bitterness, jealousy, uh, addiction, selfishness, lust, lying, and fear. And, and one thing that I think is probably one, one of the more common strongholds is fear. I, I think fear holds us back a lot of times from going forward with what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. It's fear of the future. It's fear of what others may think of us. It's fear of, of the what-ifs. I, I struggle with fear at times. And I have to turn it over to the Lord and I have to say, Lord, Lord you're going to have to deal with the fear. You're going to have to break the stronghold of moving forward because of fear. I've told you before, my, I, I come from a family that, that is um, very fearful. Um, they all live in the same county. And we're not talking just the same county, we're talking a mile apart um, for decades. They don't want to, they, they, if they could stay in the county, they would stay in the county. My mom's getting a little bit better about that, but um, I remember as a kid, we didn't, leave, we didn't leave the area too much. Nashville was a big place. That was the big town, closest big town. And, and you don't, don't go away. Don't, don't uh, stay close by. Someone's going to kidnap you here in Nashville. Don't walk so close to the road. We're going down the sidewalk. Don't walk so close to the road. Car may jump the sidewalk and hit you. They were better drivers back then than they are today. Don't, don't swing your legs in the buggy because your shoestrings might get tied up in the wheel. I'm not joking. That was... It's fear. It's fear. And I think that sometimes the Lord has to give us freedom from not only our strongholds, but generational strongholds as well. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, for, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war with the world does. We fight, uh, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself upon the knowledge against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Our weapon and our spiritual fight. And against strongholds is the divine power of Jesus Himself through the Holy Spirit. We sing the song, There's power in the mighty name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. 
those strongholds that keep us from going forward can be broken. Jesus sets us free from the strongholds. Because Jesus has the power to overcome those strongholds in our life. Be free this morning, church. Be free. It's your birthright. Don't sell it short. Don't settle for, for sin. Don't settle for, for cheap grace. Because Jesus died on the cross and it was such a great price that He paid. Don't settle for cheap grace. It's priceless. Your freedom in Jesus.